and welcome to the Publishing by the Numbers podcast. It is sometime in April. I'm real. Uh, this whole recording ahead thing confuses me sometimes, but <laughs> I know this is coming out in April. So because it matches our theme for the April. Um, it is episode 26, Cozy Mysteries with special guest Dane Cobain. I'm here with my amazing co-host CJ Anaya. Hello, Hello CJ. Everyone. Hi, guys. And Virginia is off doing something Virginia does. We'll, we'll figure out what that is later, but she, she's off doing the thing. Um, mostly it's because we just went through the time change again. And the time change is like the stupidest thing ever when you work internationally with people. Because we, we moved one direction and she moved another direction. And now it's like, oh, ungodly o'clock at where she's at. And so yeah. sometimes we miss her and oh, we do miss her. Anyway, moving right along. Uh, for those of you who have been hanging around for a while, our special guest today has been with us before. Uh, Dane Cobain visited us in October to talk about horror, and we promised then that we would have him back when we were going to talk about Cozy Mystery. And since we're talking about Cozy Mystery today, we thought that that would be a really good bridge between those two episodes. So I will review his amazing background, and then we will launch into asking him questions until he begs for mercy and we let him go. <laughs> because that's kind of how this podcast works. We capture you and we hang on to you. And then eventually it's a catch and release program. So here we go. Dane Cobain. Um, Hi, Wycombe UK is a published author, freelance writer, and occasional poet and musician with a passion for language and learning. This is true. He's got a huge streak on Duolingo learning stuff. It, it's I, I look at Duolingo and go, I should learn a thing. And then I don't. But But Dane's on top of it. When he's not working on his next release, he can be found reading and reviewing books while trying not to be distracted by Wikipedia. His releases include No Rest for the Wicked, Supernatural Thriller, Eyes Like Lighthouses, When the Boats Come Home, Poetry, Former.ly, Literary Fiction, Social, Paranorm Social Paranoia, I can say this, Nonfiction, Come On Up to the House, Horror, Subject Verb Object Anthology, Riven, Crime Detective, the Tower Hill Terror, Crime Detective, Meet, Horror, Scarlet Sin, Short Stories, The Lexicologist Handbook, Nonfiction, and The Lippifold Files, Crime Detective. So welcome back to the show, Dane. Hello, thanks for having me. I always love reading that list. You do so many interested things. You can see where they all tie together, but it's an interesting list. Yeah, well, it's a good job I didn't have that. I think my one version of my author bio has got all the uh, anthologies in it as well. And there's a new one of those coming out soon as well. So keep them busy. Oh, well, tell us about the new one and then we'll talk about Cozies. Well, it's called, it's called Half Human Heroes. And um, it's because I think I've talked about this before, but uh, I'm sort of a member of uh, a YouTube writing and reading community. So there's BookTube and AuthorTube. Uh, and it's basically just the name that we give it uh, for, for people who make YouTube videos about reading and writing. And uh, because there's a bunch of us all on there that all that all write different books, um, a bunch of different people have been working on anthologies, different themed anthologies and sort of opening it up to submissions from other YouTube creators. Um, and I think we might have mentioned this last time that that. Uh, right, uh, working in on, on an anthology and actually editing the thing is like herding cats. So I'm never going to do that again. Um, but there are at least three people I know of uh, via YouTube who have all pulled together different anthologies. So, uh, yeah, this this guy called Jeremy Fee has worked on one called Half Human Heroes. And that is coming out very soon in about once this episode goes up about two weeks after that, I think. And uh, the great thing is, and I, I think you kind of covered this on your, your episode about anthologies. because I've been slowly but surely working my way through uh, through every episode that you guys have recorded. And. 
Uh, I think you talked about the the struggles with anthologies and how to do uh, royalties because it's just a pain to split them up between different authors. And so, uh, so far, each one of those that I've done, they've all been in aid of uh, various charities, which has which been a lot of fun, uh, like on all kinds of different things from sort of um, like providing books to uh, to kids in like underprivileged neighborhoods to um, there was one that was, um, I think it was like uh, HIV related. So it's been great to try and raise some money for some good causes. Well, we'll we'll put that one in the show notes, and as soon as you've got a link for us, get it to us, and we'll we'll add the link Will that do. way people can go check it out. Because I I just like the sound of it, half human anthology. That 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 could go so many different directions. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I I was lucky because I I sort of I wrote something um, that I kind of I had this idea that I I sort of explored and wrote something up and sent it to him. Um, but I wasn't particularly happy with how it turned out. But luckily, I have another book that uh, that you would like, Jana, because it's very Terry Pratchett inspired. So I guess it's comic fantasy. Um, I've been describing uh, describing it as Lord of the Rings meets Spinal Tap. So basically, um, oh, this, sign this, me up! Just yeah, just right yeah. there, sign me up. The 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 main guy in it is a dwarf, so he's the guitarist and like primary songwriter. Uh, it's so fun. So there's a, a troll in it. He plays a bass. He plays one of the like upright double basses, but he plays it just like a normal bass. Uh, the drummer's the drummer's a vampire, and he used to drum for Spinal Tap, which is why he kept uh, spontaneously combusting because he kept getting sunlight on him. Um, and then they've got like the record ex- uh, record label executive is like the Dark Lord. Um, so I mess around with a bunch of those. But yeah, the the first chapter of that. Um, works quite well as a standalone because it's like the band for the first time the band meets each other. Um, so I sent that to him as well, being like, "Oh, you might you might be interested in this instead." And, and so that's what we're going with. So it'll be my sneak preview of the full novel will be the the first chapter is what's going to be in that anthology. Okay, I have to know when that full novel comes out too because I love I love this as Spinal Tap. It's so so. All of our amplifiers should go to eleven. It's it's true. Yeah. They really should. And putting that with <laughs> fantasy creatures and and supernatural creatures that right up my alley. That just makes me so happy. Yeah. All right. I need to finish it off. Yes, please do. Write faster. That that's what every author wants to hear is they want somebody out there who tells them write faster because they just can't wait to read what it is that they're going to put out. Yeah. So, well, let's talk a little bit about Cozy Mystery then. So the last time we had you on, we got into your horror and we determined that of the three of us, you were the only one who is not a chicken um, because CJ and I were both kind of terrified. Terrified. Um, oh. It was a good night. We finished the recording and I didn't sleep uh, because now I'm thinking about meat grinders. So yeah. but let's move to something that doesn't leave me with nightmares. So uh, Cozy Mystery. Why? Why? Why are you doing well? First of all, what would you define as cozy mystery, and then why cozy is on top of horror? Yeah. Well, okay. Well, we'll start with, the, I suppose, the definition. So, um, and my definition might be slightly different to other people because because I've been thinking about this recently. I think um, the cozy element of cozy mystery comes on like a sliding scale. So you get some stuff that's real cozy, some not so much. Um, I think most people are, are pretty much aware of what a mystery is. Um, the cozy side of cozy mystery comes in when it's it's generally sort of PG-13. There's not a huge amount of uh, violence, not a huge amount of bad language. You're not going to get like the gore and viscera and all of that stuff you might get from, um, you know, like a thriller writer or even somebody like, um, you know, Stig Larson with his, his Millennium Trilogy. Um, 
And generally, cozy mysteries, quite often they have like a sleuth main character. Um, I always use as my, my sort of example, Miss Marple to me is, is like the ultimate cozy mystery. Um, uh, Sherlock Holmes, you can argue is as well. And like Poirot, a lot of those um, are like the more, more classic cozy mysteries. These days you see a wide range of it. So you'll have a lot of, um, there's like subgenres within cozy. So you'll have like food related cozy mysteries. So you might have somebody who, you know, runs a bakery as an amateur sleuth. And those quite often come with like little recipes you can try out. There's a lot with like um, animal related ones. So they'll either, they'll usually have like an animal, uh, you know, animal companion. But yeah, generally a cozy mystery is um, quite often there's a body, but again, usually it's a PG-13 body. So it's, you know, you're not going to have a, I don't know, <laughs> this is me going back into horror territory. You're not going to have a body without a head or something like that. You'll probably, uh, it's kind of like a game of Clue though. You you know, you find somebody in the library and you need to figure out who administered the poison or whatever um right the yeah, feet sticking out from behind the desk we it, we know they're exactly. dead but we don't have to see how the, you know the, the the details of how they got it, there. It, exactly and um yeah and so that's why i kind of contrast that with like with crime really so you have sort of your cozy mystery and then your crime um and then there are again as with you you guys have covered this in the past as well but as with most genres there's like a whole set of tropes that go with it so my particular favorite one, which I absolutely love, I'm a sucker for this, is when the detective gathers everybody in one room at the end and he goes round one by one and he says, well, you could have done it because you had this motive and you had this opportunity, but actually you didn't do it, but you could have done it. And he goes round one by one and eventually we find out who it is. Half the time as well, the, the, the person who did it is like, they, half the time they admit it as well. I have been thinking this recently um, that with a lot of like, Poirot and, and again, Miss Marple, if, with a lot of those stories, if the killer had just maintained their call and not admitted to it, they actually don't have much to actually to point to them. And, and, and you know, they probably they probably would uh, would get away with it in court. Um, but yeah, and then you have different kinds of cozy mysteries as well. So um, one of my one of my favorites is the, the isolated locked room. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's like people, you know, it's that kind of classic of uh, somebody was murdered inside their study. The door was locked. The windows were locked. Um, you know, who did it and, and how did they get in and how did they get back out again with that without leaving a trace? Uh, you also get the, the sort of the closed circle mystery. So something like, uh, again, I'm going back to Agatha Christie, but and then there were none when they're all on an island and nobody can get in and nobody can get out. So, you know, these are the only people it could be. Um, Murder on the Orient Express is similar. So you've got these right, people right. on the train. It has to be one of them. Which one was it? Um, and you can have a lot of fun sort of playing, playing within those constraints as well, which Agatha Christie was, was, was the, ma the master of. There's a reason they call her the, the queen of crime. Um, so, so that's what I would, how I would define them, I suppose. Um, in some cases, it's kind of a feeling because as, a, as, as I say, you get it on like this sliding scale. So you have some that are super duper cozy, very clean, very like almost wholesome mysteries. Uh, and then you have others that are, almost gritty and they're kind of they're so close to being a mystery like a, a crime novel that it's you know you could argue whether they they do still count as one um but the reason i got into writing them was really because i i love the genre so much so again especially uh agatha christie i i have this thing with authors where i when i find an author that i like i have to read everything they've ever done um and agatha christie is a case in point she's one of the one of the authors i've written everything she did i even read some of uh, her her mary westmacott novels which are 
kind of build as romance, even though I would just say they're just sort of contemporary fiction, but contemporary from 80, 80 odd years ago. Um, and yeah, just always loved the genre, always loved, uh, I'm one of those readers, I love I love just going along for the journey. So I very rarely read a cozy mystery and try and piece together who did it and why along the way. Because I really enjoy having that big reveal at the end and having the rug swept out from under me. Um, so so I tend to not not try and piece things together. But I like the fact that you can do that if you want to as well. So it kind of there are different ways to read a, a cozy, whether you know, whether you do try and solve the crime or not. And even going back to them, I love rereading something like again, and then there were none. I've read it about 10 times now. I've seen a million parodies of it. So I know before it starts who did it and why they did it and all of that stuff. But then I can reread it with like a you know a fresh perspective and then look for all of those little clues and all of those breadcrumbs and and red herrings. So I just find it a really fun genre to to read and and, and to write. So I kind of couldn't help myself. Okay. So my question is, when it comes to cozy mystery, just I mean, did you do cozy mystery first, or did that come after horror? Like, wh which, or was it just simultaneously? I'm going to do horror and cozy mystery side by side. This is what I. Like. No, it, it was definitely the the horror stuff uh, came first. Uh, I'm not particularly sure why, because I think I like when I got into those genres as a reader, it's probably at roughly the same time. Um, I mean, I would even say even today, I probably read more mystery and especially if you lump in crime within within that genre um I, I i read more of that than horror um but actually i think horror horror in a way i think it's easier i think it's easy to scare people in some it's in some ways um and then especially you know, if it's us yeah. <laughs> you know. no well, well people in general i mean the sounds of like freaked myself out with some of the stuff i come up with i think part of it as well is because i've i've some of my horror i've actually based on like nightmares that i've had so it's like okay well i've got this concept you know from this this nightmare i just need to actually you know flesh out a plot to go with it um i think mystery is is harder to do because again you have to there's so much there's so much of it as a balancing act you don't want to reveal too much you don't want to reveal too little um there was a book I read recently, which actually didn't bother me as a reader. I was fine with it. But I, in my review of it, I pointed out it's kind of set up as a whodunit. And then you get revealed who did it. And they weren't mentioned into the, in the story until that point. So it's kind of unfair to the reader because it's like, well, they have no chance of predicting. Like, it's that whole deus ex machina thing. You know, they get three quarters of the way in. Suddenly this new character came in and he did it. And it's like, well, they have no way of, of guessing that. So um, it's quite it's quite... I think it's more difficult to actually to to plot and, and write those kind of things. But actually, the reason I went into it was probably because, and you got you you guys know this yourselves, like that's where the money is. The money is in series. And a lot of my horror standalone. Um, in fact, you don't really see many horror series, even the ones I can think of as it would be something like, I don't know, like Goosebumps where each of them are isolated stories because, mm -hmm. you know, you'd, you'd, it would be a bit of a struggle, I think, to, you know, to have 30 books in the Dracula series or whatever it is. So, um, and mystery just lends itself really, really nicely to series. So um, I thought to myself, well, everything I've done so far has been standalone. I should probably do a series. Um, and it just made sense to go into, to go into mysteries there. Um, and I think I sort of, I guess I found myself like on, on the cozy end of things, partly by accident and partly through conscious choice because the more you go towards like gritty crime 
the more you need to understand exactly how the police works and people will tell you if you get it wrong. Um, yes. So this is this is the good thing about, and this is specifically why I was like, my main character is going to be like a sleuth, private investigator kind of character because that way they, they don't actually have to follow the law. I mean, they probably should if they don't want to get arrested, but there's, there's nothing saying that they have to. Um, and so because of that, there was a little bit more freedom there. I mean, um, one of the crime series that I've read a lot of is uh, a guy called uh, Peter James here in the UK. Uh, he's got his Roy Grace series. And Peter James, he does an amazing amount of research. He knows exactly how the police force operates. He's got all the lingo, all the slang, like... You could just say to him, like, okay, well, what's the procedure they follow for an autopsy or whatever? And he will know because he's done so much of this research. Like, he literally uh, has contacts within the police, uh, retired officers and current officers that he can go to and ask for this information. And that seemed like a lot of work. So so I was like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go down the crime end of things. I'll go down the cozy end of things. Um, and then there's a bit more leeway there, I think. So, so that's kind of how... How I ended up in cozy rather than crime really was that again you can you 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 know if you're writing about a Miss Marple or something you don't have to know the ins and outs of how the police system works and you know how the chain of evidence works and what a, what a trial looks like and stuff um, and the other thing that 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 kind of helps with is is also if you're writing for international readers you know the way the police works in the UK is very different to the way it works in the US so. Um, so, yeah. And also I wanted to, to challenge like a lot of the like a lot of the cliches in a way. So like um, one of the ones that I because I've I'd also read a fair bit of like I guess you call it like like noir crime. So like your sort of Sam Spade stuff. And um, yeah, I like I like how uh, it seems as though every private detective is an alcoholic. So my guy is like a reformed <laughs> alcoholic. Um, nice. And he, and he, I pinched something from Terry Pratchett, actually. So he keeps a bottle of whiskey in the bottle of his desk. Just so that it's there, just so he's like he's got that little bit of temptation. He never drinks it, but he just knows that it's there. So I think maybe maybe he's, he's a little bit Sam Vines as well. But um, yeah, I, I liked playing with a lot of those, you know, a lot of those ideas, and um, you know, just trying trying to turn them on on the head where I can and trying to make it like quirky and and more fun. Have you found it more difficult to plot these um, types of books as opposed to your horror books? Yeah, I would say so because they're more like they have to be more intricate, really. And like a lot of the a lot of the horror stuff, I can almost make up on the fly. Or um, you know, I, I I would say say the outline for Meat versus the outline for one of my my cozy mysteries. Even though Meat is you know half again as long as as those as those usually are, the outline was probably only two thirds the length, something like that. Um, and it does depend because I've been changing my my approach to it. With, with the first one that I wrote, I actually went out of my way to uh, so I like plot had the plot and everything, and I got my information on the characters, and I went out of my way to give each of the potential suspects. Uh, I wanted each of them to have a motive, and then I was figuring out like how like what can I do so this one can maybe have an alibi that turns out to be false, and so I was deliberately trying to plant those sort of seeds of mistrust to to misdirect people. Um, I've done that a little bit less recently, but more so because, and this is another thing with series, random characters come out of the woodwork. So but there's, uh, I've just been working on it's the fourth novel, the fifth book, because one of them is short story. Um, and I needed a character to do something. And then I was like, oh yeah, I can use this character who was mentioned like on one page in the previous book or whatever. Um, 
And because it's kind of this little sort of self-contained world that grows from book to book to book, um, a lot of that misdirection and, you know, having multiple suspects and all of this stuff, it almost takes care of itself because the, the field of people involved in each investigation grows. Um, I mean, I was kind of lucky in that because the last book that I did, yeah, it kind of involves like this sort of secret society within the police as well. So that was that was ideal because it was just like, well, everybody that we've already in, in, uh, introduced to is in the police. They automatically become suspects because you kind of don't know who you can trust. Um, and then at the same time, I, I've been trying to uh, I'll have like uh, you've got your main plot for each book. So each book can be read as a standalone, but then different things are happening in people's lives. So like the agency is growing from book to book. Um, there's the, the main cop in it. He's having some like, uh, difficulties in his marriage that it like, it's on firm footing in the first book by the third book, he's kind of moved out of the family home to, to, you know, to a rented accommodation. So there's this kind of stuff happening in the background as well. Um, so you, as I say, you can kind of read them, you can dip in and read them in any order, but also there's those little bonuses there. If you, if you go from one book to another, but again, having all of that work together and, and work well that's where the insane amounts of amount amounts of plotting come in i have a question about what's coming next though because so so how many books do you have in that series and are you so you're writing the next one now is that what's yeah. happening okay yeah so at, at the moment i've got um two there's basically when um novel novel short story collection um then the one I'm editing at the moment is a novel. And then I'm writing the first draft of a novel after that. Um, if you're going to ask me what happens after that, I don't know. I've been sort of, <laughs> I've been sort of planning each novel as, as I, as I finish one book, I go straight into planning the next novel. Um, uh, because again, the other thing is that they quite often lead into one another. So what, like what happened, uh, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say at the end of the first the first novel, it looks as though, well, the case has been solved pretty much. And then just as everyone's about to go home for a cup of tea or whatever, um, something happens which kicks off the next case. And then it's sort of that, not quite to be continued. It's just like, right, well, there's, there's you know, a loose end that needs timed up. And that's what's going to kind of, uh, you know, be the basis of the next one. So I kind of need to know where it's going. Um, the plan is to keep it going. I, I, you know, I really enjoy working with those those characters. They they do that sort of classic thing every author wants, where they just write themselves. Um, so so that's that's okay. There will probably be a point at which I'll plan myself into a corner. Um, I actually found it well. So so far, I haven't got to the where this is a problem yet. But the book that I'm drafting now, so it's the fifth book, the fourth novel. By this point, the the main guy. He's essentially a household name. He's, he's definitely had like national media coverage for a case that he's been involved in. And so he's basically just gone off on holiday to, to go to somewhere where nobody knows him. And that's where it starts. Um, and obviously he is going to go back, go back later on. But because I'm only at the start of that book, I haven't really had to deal with that yet. And, and I am kind of wondering, like, well, where does it go from here? I suppose he can sort of start to struggle with the trappings of, not necessarily fame, but certainly sort of notoriety. Because um, again, this is this the, the book before this is the one where he's sort of dealing with the corruption within the police force, and uh, you know that 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 gets a lot more report reported in the media and all of this stuff than uh, say some of his earlier stuff, where it's just you know investigating a single crime or something like that. So we will see where it goes. 
So if someone was going to start reading your series, which one do they start with? Is it is it Driven? Yeah, I would say Driven because, I mean, again, that's the first one. They, they could really pick up any of them. Um, but I, I would go with Driven just because also that one's quite fun. I mean, that's the one where um, I don't want to say too much about it, but the idea for that came from a meme on Facebook. Uh, it was one of those, somebody had put like 21st century uh, murder mystery weapons. And uh, one, of the, one, of the, one of the weapons on there, I was like, yes, I can do something with that. Um, and then the second book after that, because this, this is the thing as well, like a lot of my stories have like sort of themes of technology and, and the way they sort of change society. So, um, which is what I think makes them different to like a classic uh, cozy mystery i mean one of the ways i've described it is, is that my series is like is a bit like what if miss marple had twitter it's that kind of idea um <laughs> and awesome. uh, yeah yeah because I, I haven't seen it sort of explored that much but but yeah so the second book in the series was actually the first one i had the idea for um and that's where basically um uh you know the bad guy in it he's using uh he's using dating apps to to find his victims and I wanted to call it, which I thought was a great title, Netflix and Kill. I thought it was a great title. And so I'd, I'd started out and I'd, I, I was like, well, I need to have a book before this where I introduce all of the characters. because I can't just jump straight in with this one. So that's kind of how Driven came about. Um, and then, yeah, then, then I realized I can't actually use Netflix and Kill without getting sued. So, uh, so that became the Tower Hill Terror instead. Uh, some people do actually also have books out called Netflix and Kill. So I'm not the only one who thought that was a good title. Um, but again, I, they can go ahead and get sued. I, I don't want to, you know, I know how much how much revenue Netflix makes and it's enough to, to sue the pants off a, an indie author. So I'm not going to touch that. That was probably a wise choice. Even though that is a killer title, I do love it. That is great. So, so if you're messing around with technology and how that connects with mysteries, is AI on your horizon that's what a, happens when chat gpt gets involved with your mysteries yeah that's that's not a bad idea i haven't really gone that route yet i mean it's funny because ai actually powers some of the technologies that are used so again that that murder weapon in the first one um i mean i think it's pretty obvious from the title as well but yeah the, that's that's that technology is powered by, by ai um but in the same way that again something like google is and we don't really think about it but yeah, there's certainly something there. Maybe, uh, oh yeah, that's a nice idea. There's, I'm, I'm thinking as well. There's like smart cities where you know that everything's all hooked up to a grid, and AI is like, right, we're going to reduce, we're going to turn these street lights off to reduce the flow of traffic and all of this stuff. What happens if a bad guy gets in, gets in behind there and starts causing havoc? So, yeah, there's definitely room for that. The the other thing that I've I've found because again, I'm trying to feed from one story into another is I've almost backed myself into a weird corner with the timeline. So I know specifically the date that all this action is meant to be taking place. And it was in the future when I, when I first started writing it. And now it's in the past. And also, like, COVID is coming soon. And I'm like, well, where, mm, do, I, do I acknowledge that? Like, shall I just have a bit where, like, two years have passed since the last book? Um, so I haven't figured out exactly how I'm going to deal with that yet. I do. I have got myself out of it. So each of the books has a little disclaimer at the front where I say uh, they live in a London that's similar to but not identical to our own. Um, and uh, and I kind of make a few references in that. It's like this, that's why you know some of the characters are like larger than life. Um, 
because it you know it isn't it isn't a real London and you can't go along some of the routes like the uh, main police the main police office in it I, I called it the old Vic that's actually the name of a theatre and like I guess it's based on sort of Scotland Yard in London so there are like and like some of the streets mentioned um, you know they are there last uh, well not last time I was in London but probably about six six seven months ago I was in London for something and I went to visit where like the main guys the PI's offices. And like the street is there. It's just like the way I've described going into his building, like that, that building kind of doesn't exist. Um, but that gives me a lot of leeway to play around as well, because I can sort of make it like a slightly more cartoonish version of our, of our own London, which I think works well again with that, that kind of cozy, cozy theme. Because another thing you'll see in a lot of cozy mysteries is they'll, ha- they'll take place in like small towns. So like, again, going back to Miss Marple, every, everything's in sort of St. Mary Mead. Um, she does have somewhere, uh, Agatha Christie does have somewhere that they take place in, you know, bigger cities or whatever. Um, but I'm trying to create that sort of small town feel while having it in London as well. So, you know, it is like everybody kind of knows each other. There's a local pub where a lot of the characters all go to. So, um, yeah, I've been trying to sort of mer- merge the two, I suppose. And I think it's worked well, but I mean, I suppose I'm not the person to judge, am I? Well, as long as you're making sales, you're doing something right. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, and also I work with uh, my, my editor's uh, American, so that actually works really well in my favor because she'll call me up on some things like uh, the actual, the, the most recent one, I think she used the just the comment just saying, is this correct British phrasing? And she must have said that 30, 40 times. And in most of them, I was like, well, we do say that, but we can say it this other way. That's fine. There are only one or two where I was like, I'm going to have to stand my guns and actually, yes, that is exactly how how we would say it. I know it's weird, but that's just how we speak. Um, but again, that helps with like with thinking about a more international audience um, because it is, yeah, it is weird. It, it is like, mine's probably like 80-20, so 80% US, 20% UK or something like that. And I want to make sure that the UK people recognise it um as being you know a british book by a british author but i want to make sure that us people can read it without thinking you know what what's going on here mm-hmm. that makes yeah. a lot of is, sense is it right or is it not yeah absolutely yeah. as a reader that's one of my pet peeves is when when you read something you're like i think this is a mistake but i don't actually know you know like is it a mistake like or is it just clunky language or, or what is it and uh right. so or yeah i try and try and preempt those vocalisms and idioms yeah. and sayings and slang that you're not familiar with because it's all very location and culture based and exactly you know. yeah and then, okay now i do remember the last time we talked about this that you played with language in how you want people to pronounce the name of now i'm going to get it wrong again is it lepifold 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 see I wasn't yeah. even going to attempt it. I was like, mm, I'm going right. to wait yeah. for my Right, but you team. talked before about doing that on purpose. Yeah. Remind me why it was that you wanted that pronunciation since, you know, neither of us was able to get to it without some help. <laughs> I, I guess, like, part of it is is I find it fun. Um, I did get somebody who said I was, like, they, they said I was being, uh, I think they called me ableist. Because um, because I because I said I thought it was quite funny um, listening to people try and pronounce the names in their video reviews, and I'm like, well, that's kind of the point. Like, I I don't I don't care how you say it. say it how how you like, um, but yeah. So Lightfold, um, can't remember how his surname came about. Um, I think it was I think it was originally wherever I got it from 
the E and the I were the other way around. So it was like leapfold then. Um, but yeah, yeah, played around with that. We've got Miley, but her name is spelled M-A-I-L-E, um, which I just thought was a really cool name. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the main the main policeman, he's called Jack Chumley, but it looks like it should be pronounced Jack Cholmondeley, but it's just one of those weird, yeah, it's just one of those weird British things. Um, I don't know, I guess it's, it, it just happens in like British place names as well. Like the other one is like, we have like uh, Marlebone Station in London, which looks like it should be pronounced Mary Lebone, but mm-hmm. it's Marlebone. Um, there's, there's in Oxford, we have uh, Magdalen College, which looks like it's pronounced like Magdalen, like Mary Magdalen. Um, so I've just always found words like that fascinating that you wouldn't know how to say them unless you were like from that area or something, or you'd heard them said before. And I was like, it'd be fun to use some of these. So I sort of did. Um, and that's kind of where that happened. And then, yeah, we have some, like some people with more normal names as well. Um, but I, I don't know, there's, I, I kind of keep my eyes peeled now for sort of like these strange and unusual names. Um, sometimes it's pretty much for the purposes of, uh, of having a, having a bit of a laugh as well. So um, in the one that's the one that's going to be the next one to come out, the one I'm editing at the moment, um, a new character called, comes in uh, and he's called Abraham Shakespeare. And he, there's just all sorts of little funny lines where it's like, um, you know, he comes for his interview and Miley tells Lightfold, oh, Shakespeare's at the door. And, you know, then they're sort of joking about like, oh, is he here to be or not to be or whatever it is. And like all of this, these little just bits of um, little bits of sort of humorous dialogue I could throw in just because of his name. Um, so, yeah, I play around with that a lot. And then, other people it's like oh i just need a name um i, I can't remember whether i mentioned this i think with that uh, when jana was here and in, in one of the the sort of q a's we were we were running a little while back um and i was talking about i had some feedback from my editor where she pointed out i never actually like one of the characters i just always called them superintendent richards and throughout the entire book i never used their first name um and she's a woman as well. And it was just never clear because I'd never used the first name. And because other, other than that, she was just always there in a social setting. So other than maybe saying, you know, she picked up a pen and paper, you wouldn't have actually known that it, she was a female character. So I just sort of had to add in there, like uh, the first reference to her, we use her name. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of foot, like playing around as well. So in this, again, this, this most recent book, the, uh, the sort of the cop in it, Jack Chumley, um, he ends up being put on gardening leave and he's no longer a policeman during the kind of events of that book. And so then his like ex-recruits are coming along and they're having to get used to call Like he's saying, you know, just call me Jack, just call me Jack. And they're calling him Mr. Chumley. And, and then he's saying like, well, stop calling me sir. Cause I'm not a detective inspector anymore. I'm just a member of the public. And then he's like trying to call them by their first names and it's not really working. And so, uh, yeah, there's just a lot of, I just think it's fun to play with names. And um, again, it's weird. It's really with this series because there are, are, I suppose there have been times with this one actually where it's like, I kind of, I I think like names are one of the hardest bits of writing because I always find it hard to, especially for minor characters, to like introduce them in a way that feels natural. So um, for example, in in the one I'm working on at the moment, uh, one of the characters gets mugged. Uh, there's this very minor character, but I didn't want to keep saying like, well, the man did this and the man did that. And so I was like, well, how can I find a way to introduce that character by name, but in a way that doesn't feel forced? So sometimes that can be tricky. 
Um, but other than that, as a whole, in this series, again, the characters are sort of so vivid to me when I'm writing that, like, it, it feels natural when they're using names because that's just their names and that's just the way, you know, people are in, in real life, I suppose. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it hasn't really happened in any of my other books, really. In the rest of them, there are always times where I feel a bit, a bit forced and I'm using character names and I'm just like, well, I've got to, you know, give this... It's kind of the difference between thinking, oh, I've got to give this character a name and now I've got to think of a name and just being like, well, oh, oh yeah, that's Tom. Like, you know, that's always been Tom. So, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It kind of puts a little different spin on it when, uh, when writing. Oh, fantastic. Well, and I remember, um, so Terry Brooks came and visited BYU at one point. That's my, my alma mater. And, um, he talked to the people that were making the announcements and, and it's it's to the student area and they said, okay, the, the signing for the Sword of Shannara will be in 30 minutes. And you had all these student heads that popped up because we talked back to the overhead thing when people talked to us and we all went, Shannara! Mm. And Terry Brooks is standing in front of the bookstore and he says, it is not! Yeah. And so it, it's that fun thing where once you release it, you have these ideas of, well, this is how it should be said, and this is the way that it is, but then it also kind of takes on a life of its own once the readers get a hold of it, and they kind of join in a group delusion that says, well, this is the way that, that we all say it, and yeah. so, yeah, since then, it, it's always a running gag about, is you know, is it Shannara or is it Shannara, based on, you know, how it is you read it, and how many of these stories you've heard with Terry Brooks trying to tell people really I meant it to be this but like you say he came up with a this is what I meant but I don't really care as long as you're enjoying the books yeah and sometimes that like works its way back in and then the, you know the writer refers to that as well um but that's just reminding me there is there is like one little line in this in this latest book where someone calls Jack Chumley Mr. Chum Numberly because they can't remember like how to pronounce his name and it's again it's just it's just fun to sort of throw those things in and I remember a meme I saw recently where it just said, um, what if F. Scott Fitzgerald came back from the dead, said it's pronounced Jatsby and then left, which would be hilarious. Oh, gosh. I, and, and, you know, every school in the universe just dies at that moment as to trying to figure out how they go back and fix that one. Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. Well, we're headed towards the end of our show. So why don't we launch into well, actually, let's go back a little bit. Is there anything else that you want to share with us? Uh, we'll have your website in the show notes um, and links to your new anthology and your cozy mystery. Is there anything else that we should be aware of that's up and coming that people should be watching for you? Uh, not really. I think those are, are the main things. Um, I mean, I have a new poetry collection coming out, but I'll be honest. This is this is one where I'm like, I'm just going to get this thing out because it's been sat on my like ready to publish thing for ages. Um, and I want it to be out. So it's one of those where I'm like, I don't even I don't think my readers particularly want it, but they're going to have it, damn it, because it's ready to go. And I want I just want to get it. Then then it's like one less thing sitting in my head and being like, oh, yeah, I could release that at some point. Um, but, yeah, that's coming out soon. That's called Oceanus. And that's like. It's, I literally, I subtitled it, uh, an experimental poem about the RMS Titanic. It's kind of like um, like wordplay and allusions and things like that, um, telling the story of the Titanic. Uh, so that's coming out. But yeah, mostly I'm, I'm really enjoying working on the Lightfold series at the moment. So um, hopefully there will be this, this book 
number four, which is going to be called Boys in Blue. That should hopefully be out by the end of this year. Fingers crossed. Um, and I'll, I will I will definitely have the first draft of the book after that ready by the end of this year. Um, whether it will have been edited is a different question. We will we'll see how busy I get. Um, but yeah, I would just encourage people to read some mysteries. They're, they're so much fun. And as I say, because of this like sliding scale of coziness, you know, if you want something really sweet and wholesome, there's stuff out there that's like, you know, who stole the cake at the village fate and things like that. So there's the stuff there with like no murder, nobody dies. And then you've got stuff on the other end and then you go through to like the really brutal like Nordic noir where it's like, you know, all kinds of weird stuff happening. So you can find cozy mysteries and crime of all different kinds of levels. Um, but it's such a fun genre. And um, I mean, there have even been studies like I'm pretty sure like it's supposed to be that people find it reassuring to read about stuff like that because it kind of takes our anxieties in a, a, away in a, in a sense. It's the same reason why people like watch true crime as like horrible as it is. It's kind of like, well, if you watch it, it's a bit like, again, we, I think we had this discussion about horror, that people watch horror because they like to be scared, but in a safe environment. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what, what cozy mysteries can do is they can expose you. And there's a, a much more of a sort of a, a sliding scale there of like how, you know, how intense you want them to be, how brutal you want them to be, all of that stuff. Um, and because because the genre has just gone through the roof, there are all of these different niches. So just just go out and read some mysteries. That's so fun. Fantastic. Now, if readers want to get on to our, or listeners rather, well, readers and listeners, want to get onto your newsletter, can they do that just through danecobain.com? Because I'm on your newsletter and I know that it's fun. Yeah, yeah, you go to dankabane.com and uh, there's so I, I do need to sort of fix fix this in inverted commas. It, it works, but uh, if you go to dankabane.com, a little light box will pop up. And you can enter your details there and you can sign my mailing list. Um, I do need to at some point have a dedicated page so I can just say, you know, go to dankabane.com forward slash mailing list and you can sign up there. But yes, if you go to the website, it'll pop up a little, uh, a little, a little. Uh, light box that you can you, uh, a light bulb <laughs> that you can sign to sign up to um, and yeah one of the fun things uh, that I've done on that is each of the characters uh, I get I gave them sort of the metaphorical keys to my email list so you'll get a, an email from Lightfold, you'll get one from Miley you'll get one from Jack Chumley uh, and you'll even get one from Bram uh, Bram Shakespeare who we mentioned earlier uh, who hasn't yet actually appeared in the books so that's the only way to get a sneak preview of uh of who he is and, and what makes him tick. And he's such a fun character as well, especially him and Miley when they, cause those two are both like computer nerds and Lightfold has no clue. So those two will be sitting there like nerding out about like, we've been like, oh yeah, have you tried this new VPN? And then Lightfold's like, what's a VPN? And yeah. Oh, and then, and then in this, this latest one, uh, Jack Chumley, who's the old cop, he joins them and Miley sort of takes him under her wing. So she's like early twenties tech nerd and she's teaching him like okay well this is what a vpn is here's what like what the dark web is all of this stuff um which again feeds into the next book the one i'm writing now where he's gone back to the police and he's realized actually my team needs a miley and she's never going to leave lightfold so i need to hire a tech geek of my own so uh yeah lots of fun all right well let's take just a minute and have our moment of absolute irrelevancy uh cj you want to go yes absolutely uh okay so 
volleyball. My son is is on the the volleyball team, and I'm not sure if I mentioned this, but before he decided to audition, try out, what is the word? I'm try thinking out. theater. Try out, not auditioning. Sorry, I'm such a theater geek. Uh, before he decided to try out, um, I had no idea that he actually enjoyed volleyball. So he's like, I'm going to try out, mom, and I'm like, for volleyball. Okay. And then he made it. And so now we're just, you know, really excited and having a good time, but I took my girls with me um, and you can get, you know, nachos and things like that. And it just so happens that as my child had nachos and was walking down, you know, while the game was playing a, a volleyball um, came off the court and it was spiked very hard and just landed right in the nacho (laughs) and it went boom, it went kaboom and it was everywhere not on her, got on the phone, got on, got on, got on a lot of places, but not on her. So there's one magic nacho explosion right there. Um, So we were like trying to like surreptitiously clean that on the side. I feel like every time I talk to you guys, it's always some kind of food (laughs) spill, something vomit, whatever. This is, this is my life. Um, And so that was happening in front of all of the viewers and, you know, the teams and, just cleaned it up. The, the the guy at the concession stand was like, she can have more nachos, you know, due to the flying volleyball <laughs> that no one knew was coming. So, uh, but that's what happened. So nice, fun little stuff. Always your turn. Who's turn? Highly irrelevant. <laughs> oh gosh. So let's see. I don't have anything as interesting as flying nachos. I do have a food thing though. So we have a gaming group that we've been playing various tabletop role-playing games since 1992 so we've been at this for a long time and it's generally the same core group of people and we get together every saturday night and for our our core group we always do stuff for birthdays and in april we have three guys who all have birthdays within a week of each other so it's always the really big nerdy party and one of them really likes pie and the others like cake and so i bake for everybody and i make a big cake and then i make a pie so that we can have these things. But it's always the challenge is coming up with how am I going to decorate these to be appropriately nerdy for the phenomenally nerdy group? So I'm working on it because tomorrow is the big party for all of of the nerds. And I got to figure out what I'm going to do. I mean, my, my best one to date was I bought a whole bunch of little miniatures and then I turned the cake into a battle map. And we set up an entire scenario (laughs) going on. And then they got to take the little miniatures home because that was part of their thing. So it was really simple for the decoration part, but but it was really effective. And I did um, Trogdor at one point, the Burninator. I I made a Burninator cake and I've done dice. So so now now I must ponder exactly what I'm going to do for tomorrow. I'm going to make pictures and then I'm going to make some kind of really nerdy devil's food cake. So that that's my relevant moment. And what I will be working on for the next two days is figuring out exactly what I'm going to sculpt out of this cake. All right, Dane, what's irrelevant in your world? Well, yeah, I suppose building on that, I mean, um, I am currently in my old childhood bedroom at the moment. Um, hence not having, you know, all my musical instruments and a, an annoying cat around. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm visiting my, my family at the moment. Um, just because I'd messaged my mum and was saying, I'm going to come up at some point to visit you when works. Um, and so she showed, chose these dates because we went out earlier for, uh, it was like an early birthday celebration for my, my grand, my mum's mum. 
uh, who's turning 80 in a few weeks. Um, wow. And she's she's a very sprightly 80 year old as well. My family, none of them look their age, um, which which bodes well for me. But yeah, so we went out for dinner earlier and um, me, my mum, my grand granddad and my uncle Carl. And um, and that's actually it ties back in nicely to all this talk about mysteries and cozy mysteries, because I think that's probably where I get my love for it all from. So my mum and my uncle in particular have read most of the Agatha Christie's and um, my my mum and my grand like they have like an informal book club. So they swap books every time they see each other. Um, it's usually more crime than cozy these days. Um, but the funny thing is, and I keep saying that my mum should get good reads or at least use a pen and paper because she never remembers whether she's read books. So she'll get 30, 40 pages into a crime novel and then realise that she's read it before, which to me, that would just that would drive me insane. I don't mind rereading, but I'd have to know I was rereading. Otherwise, it would just it would just uh, wind me up. So, um, but yeah, they swapped some books today. And then tomorrow, me and my mum are off. Uh, we're going to go to Litchfield, which is like a cathedral city slash town um, near where I grew up. But we're going to go around all of the charity shops there, find some new books. And uh, yes, hopefully some some more cozy mystery and some crime. Oh, and maybe some horror. Bit. There you yeah, go. What, what a fantastic way to spend a day. Mm, yes, it'll be fun. All right. Well, fantastic. Well, Dane, it's been so much fun talking to you. I'm sure that we will suck you back in again because it's always so much fun and you have so much to share. So thank you so much for your time. And thank you to everybody for joining us. You can find the show and the show notes at www.elantumdigital.com and follow the podcast on YouTube or your favorite podcast distributor. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review. We'll see y'all later. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.